You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. What would you give to go to a party like this right now? Oh, bone marrow, probably. <laughs> I would sell my goddamn soul. Like, I... At first, literally, when it was just like a shot of the crowd dancing, I was like, oh my god, they're not wearing masks. Like, I was nervous for them. Yes. Yeah. I um, had to take the train home the other day, and I like got so nervous because there were more than like 10 people in the car when I would regularly, during rush hour, be two two millimeters from a person's face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Getting cozy I'm, with your fellow commuters. I really, uh, I don't miss that, but I miss no. like being able to walk into Target and not fear for my life. Yeah. I Casually. Just really. It's funny because like I <laughs> spend a lot of time uh, listening to techno because it's what my friends back home are into and also my brother's really into it. But I, I it's not something that I love, love. I do like it, but not in the way that they do. But I was sitting here listening to the Bloody Beatroots being like, God, I wish that were me. (laughs) Like, I miss going to parties and just, like, going to go see DJs and, like, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm going nuts. Also, the bloody beat roots. How? The MTV licensing, though. I don't even like the bloody beat roots, but I remember this episode happening and my brother coming downstairs being like, is this a bloody beat roots? And me being like, yeah. And he was like... How do you even recognize that? I have not listened to enough techno. It all sounds the same to me, like, because I don't put the effort into like getting to know it yeah how would you even recognize it my brother djs oh that makes sense yeah like people who like techno like love techno it's like they're ish i actually don't even know if the bloody roots really is considered techno it's like it's kind of edm-y yes you don't know the difference no Um, there's uh there's an uh, an episode of New Girl where Schmidt like loves EDM and he's like it's the only form of music and so Cece's like I bet I could make an EDM song and you would not know the difference and so they just like record noises around their loft and he is <laughs> completely convinced and he like rattles off the DJ he thinks it is and she's like no that was just Nick from the loft that's funny it's it's a good episode that's funny I'll, I'll, I'll buy that um no this is just to say that this was a really fun episode for both of us to watch uh, we had a good time it was really well paced i had a fun time living vicariously through these people carefree at a party yeah sharing and- drinks making out with strangers and not fearing for their lives you don't have to actually do those two things but you know <laughs> the idea that they could and aren't worried about dying about dying of coronavirus yeah, I don't, uh, I wouldn't really accuse Teen Wolf of being like too wordy of a show, but sometimes they talk too much and there was not too much talking in this episode. No, it was a lot of just like vibing to the music, which again, thank you MTV licensing. Mm-hmm. Shout out. Yeah. Um, also, you know, we always say that like Scott is Spider-Man. The Bloody Beatroots' big thing is that he wears a mask to look like Venom. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Now you know. <laughs> I learned so- you learn something new every single day. Truly, you do. So this week we're talking about Illuminated, an episode most known for uh, the gifts of the neon paint, mm-hmm, the blacklight party. It is so fun, um, and it's also a Halloween episode. We're you know a day or two out of Halloween, but I'm still feeling a little spooky. Even though our apartment is fully (laughs) decorated for Christmas right now. We have not put away the pumpkin, so it does still feel spoopy. Yeah. So. It's It's appropriate. You know, yeah. Mm -hmm. There are still leaves. It hasn't snowed in a while. No. And and it won't, which is kind of a bummer. But. We'll see. Um, So, before we get into this episode, we do have to do the recap. Yes. Oh. Oh, wait. You know what? I keep forgetting. Hmm. You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, a podcast where we debate whether or not techno is music. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. Um, and this episode was written by a woman named Alyssa Clark. And I'm sorry, guys, I forgot to look up what else she's done. Her name isn't familiar to me. And Angela Harvey, our dear friend, all, and directed by Russell Mulcahy. Uh, so, Russell Mulcahy new. and two women. Dream team? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Big fan. Mm-hmm. Um... So yeah, should we should we just get into the recap? Let's uh, let's do it. I do have to go first, so I'm a little bit like I need to get out of the way right now immediately. Yeah, we're we're a little antsy, if you couldn't tell. Yeah, 
Just Let's not talk general. about that. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't want to talk about what's happening um, no. globally. All right. Um, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So it's Halloween and the Oni are like tearing up the town or whatever. And Chris and Allison finally make it into the room with Isaac where he was just attacked by the Oni. And Chris punches him to make sure that he it, like will shift into a werewolf to heal. And then Chris is like, you guys need to keep my secret. Like, I think they were coming for me. And then Raphael is doing a really bad job of interrogating the crew because they know better than him. And then also Raphael like warns Scott, there's going to be more danger coming. Kira takes a picture of herself to reveal Foxfire and Styles finds this like mystery key. Danny is throwing a blacklist party and like Ethan offers to help him because there's no venue that have power in town. Lydia's mom is now the bio teacher, which is cool. Lydia tells Aiden that she resents him for killing Boyd. Kira shows Scott the fox fire, and they realize that they need to get the phone back, and then the Oni, Oni roll up and attack Derek. Uh, the twins and Danny set up the party, and Styles gives Scott and Kira the evidence lockup key. Kira and Scott play Mission Impossible and get the phone and get rid of the fox fire pictures. Uh, Styles has to like distract Raphael and also suggests that like he has dirt on him. They go to the party. It's really fun, really sexy. Uh, Kira notices Scott noticing Allison. Oh, I thought I had a while. No. I got halfway through. Congrats. I thought I was, like, huffing it. Dang. You, you were getting a lot of detail, which is good. Okay. Let's see. I don't I don't think I'm going to fare much better because as fast as this episode goes, I think more things happen than I remember. Well, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Good luck. One, two, three. Okay, it's Halloween in Beacon Hills. The Oni are there. Um, Chris and Allison finally make it into the room and slap Isaac awake. And Chris is like, um, "It's act- they're after me. Please keep it a secret. Um, the gang is at the sheriff's station being interrogated by Scott's dad, and it's really not going very well, and he clearly doesn't believe them. Um, we find out that Kira has something weird going on with her with the little fox fire. Um, they're back at school, and some funky things are happening where Lydia's mom's bio teacher. Danny is planning a blacklight party, but there's still a blackout from the 1.21 gigawatt watts thing um derek is back he gives halloween candy that's fun the blacklight party is happening scott is trying to get kira's phone from the evidence locker but it's not charging and he sees his face on his dad's macbook which is really sad and then um styles goes in to distract them and threatens um mr mccall essentially i guess and then um they're all at the blacklight party together and the couples are having fun ethan gets attacked by the oni and uh so does lydia at the same time and then there's this big fight uh between the oni who come after oh yeah Big episode. Big episode. Lots of people get attacked. The by majority the of the episode the takes place in the first half of the episode, though, which is why I think it was so hard for us to get through. Yeah, it's very plot heavy at the beginning. Um, but basically, the Oni come in and they. they it's funny because we learn later that they're not attacking them, they're marking them as like clean from the Nogitsune. Mm hmm. But I, re- I mean, I remember watching this all for the first time and being very scared. Terrifying. Therefore, for the children. Yeah. So they like check Lydia and Ethan. I- Ethan and then they find them. Derek wakes up from his Oni vibe check and uh, stops the party. And roars. He does his little alpha. He's not an alpha. He is? No? No, he's not. Uh, he has his little roar. Yeah. Uh, and then the Oni check e- Aiden as well. And Scott. And Scott. Um, and then at the end, Styles realizes that the mystery key is the key to the chemistry closet because Caitlin of last season tells us that phosphors make things glow. Yes. Oh, and Chris stumbles back to their apartment bloodied and collapses on the floor. We don't know why. We don't know yet. That's next episode. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of secrets. People are withholding a lot of information. There's a lot of stuff that people are really unwilling to talk about in this episode. Uh, I think first we're going to have to talk about Chris, mostly because we did not remember that this plot line was happening until this very instant. When he turns around very dramatically and is like, I think they were after me. I'm like, what is this? I was like, I didn't even remember you were in this season. <laughs> it, the memories did come flooding back after that, particularly when he goes and he um, looks at the shattered Oni mask mm-hmm. that he just has for some reason beautifully laid out in the box. Um, so he's got some sort of history with them, and he asks Allison and Isaac not to tell anyone about what happened to Isaac for t- 24 hours. Yeah. I guess. That. It feels weird to set a time limit on that. Um, 
But yeah, he is clearly keeping a really big piece of information. And like Chris's main function now in the show is to just keep big pieces of information from Allison until she needs it. And in the past also, it's just a main Main trait trait of his his. character. What a sneaky bitch. (laughs) It would really behoove him at this point to like bring people in on his on his little shenanigans. Look how easy life gets for Styles when he opens up to his dad, when they have a like a communication-based relationship. It's all great. Literally, the fact that Chris spent so much of last season um, running around trying to catch the Duroc without telling Allison when he knows he's not stupid, he had to know mm-hmm. that she was involved in it. It's so weird. And then he continues to do that. Yeah. At, like, Why? at this point, he should know better. But also, like, old habits die hard. And I think also, like, at his core, Chris is still just trying to, like, at this point, just wants to be a good dad and, like, wants Allison to have a normal life. And the more he can keep from her, the more that he feels like he's doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, just sad to think about, especially given the end game of this season. Mm. Yeah. Indeed. But he is going to have a big part in the next episode as we learn more about his past, which is interesting because we don't ever actually get a heaping amount of like his sort of earlier hunting life beyond knowing that he's like Gerard's son and yeah. his brother. I, I think he has the most fleshed out background of all the parents because we don't really know much about Melissa like pre her becoming a parent or uh, the sheriff either. Yeah. Like we don't get flashbacks to them pre-marriage, pre-children, um, mm-hmm. which is fine. The show's not about them, but I think it's interesting that Chris gets to be the one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that is definitely true. It's, it's, I find it interesting how the origins sort of like, even as they leave the show, like still weave their way into like major plot lines and stuff. And I think that that helps solidify it. Um, but in, in terms of, of trying to keep this information, it's really interesting to me both how Allison and Isaac react to Chris keeping the secret. Because Allison still feels very much that she's loyal to her dad and he, he's going to figure it out. And he will. she wants to believe so badly that he's going to eventually reveal, you know, what he's going through. But Isaac is like, I'm not, I don't, I didn't promise your dad shit. Like, I, my loyalty lies with Scott and I don't keep secrets from him. Which I find very interesting because I do wonder if Allison and Scott were still together at this point, if she would be singing the same song um, of like, I have to listen to my dad. I can't tell Scott because she used to really trust him over everybody else. And now that's completely broken because they're no longer together. Um, So I I find that reversal very interesting. I do too. And the fact that Isaac is like, despite how much he very obviously cares about Allison and perhaps wants to impress upon her that he could be trusted and that like they could, they could have a future. Something could happen Mm -hmm. with them. He's still not going to say, Oh yeah, I just will acquiesce to what your dad's asking me. And it's interesting to me that he is still very, and like obviously in the last episode with the whole, like another werewolf thing, like Isaac and Chris have not warmed up to each other. Um, which is, it strikes me as interesting that like, like sort of like Allison is the thing that like connects them. And once she's gone at the end of the season, obviously like Isaac and Chris need each other. Mm -hmm. Um, But at this point that's just not the case because Chris has done nothing but prove himself to be untrustworthy. Yeah. And even though he kind of, kind of saves the day with Isaac by beating the hell out of him to get him to change. Um, yeah, there's nothing that he's done that really makes Isaac think, well, I can trust you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, like, Isaac doesn't have the familial loyalty that Allison does. Allison, like, Allison's, again, like, the whole thing, Chris wants to give Allison a normal life, and, like, Allison, for the same reason, will put on sort of blinders for her dad because she really has no other option because they only have each other, which is sad. <laughs> Really sad. Uh, do you want to move into talking about Allison and Isaac a little bit? Let's do it. Um, I love them. Yeah, we we have a thing that like, and whatever ship is currently happening in front of you in Teen Wolf is the right ship. Uh, yes, yes, and they are keeping secrets from each other in a way that is less. Um, there's less intent behind it. It is truly just about like being unable to admit to their feelings and it's done 
so brilliantly because when you were in high school or even just in life, like <laughs> when you are into somebody, it's like a big moment of honesty to be like, yeah, I'm into you. I want, you know, this from you or whatever. And especially Isaac, who has no game and no experience <laughs> with women. And Allison, who is still, you know, coming off her big, like first cut is the deepest thing. It's really, it would be so so high stakes for them to sit down and say exactly what they want from each other. So they have to keep it on lock and they have to just sort of have like these weird moments of like tension and like looking at each other being like, please understand what I'm saying so that I don't have to say it. Um, and that detention is so good. The stakes are so high and it, it results in like really great moments. Like Allison being, having to bail out of the conversation they're having by being like, well, would you want to talk about it? Or, uh, do you want to like paint my body? Which is so sexy. Yeah. She's really just kind of like, we can just skip all this other, like, we don't have to talk about it. We can just get to it. You know, which I'm like, that's so, it's also a really funny, smart thing to do with Allison's character. Well, the thing that I like the most about that is that it's so indicative of the fact that not only are they like sexually, physically attracted to each other, but they also have feelings yeah. for each other because feelings are terrible. Feelings are terrifying. Yes. Um, and you know, Allison is still really hurt. Isaac has never been to therapy once in his life and probably should be before being in a relationship. Yes. But like, they care, they like each other so much on multiple different levels. And I really appreciate that they're treating it as a viable other relationship for her, as opposed to like, I'm doing this to fill the void of not having Scott. Like mm -hmm. they, they get their own thing, which I think is great. Yes. Yes. And it's also like, it's really important to me to see Isaac have a relationship outside of Scott because right now Scott is the only thing that like sort of tethers Isaac to the group mm -hmm. because Styles is not particularly nice to Isaac and Derek and him had a very big falling out. So to have sort of this other thing that brings him in really sort of solidifies his place and to have it come as organically and like just sort of, it's so fun to watch them get together because you're like, oh, I want it. But the whole like idea of them not being able to say that to like have to keep this secret also from Scott yes. is very tantalizing to watch. Yeah. And the secret keeping from Scott, I again, really like the way that they handle this because it's not, um, it, it's much more about sparing everyone's feelings than it is like, oh, we have to keep it a secret because it's salacious. Like, yeah, Allison knows that it's painful for Scott. And it must be painful for her also and very confusing. Yeah, I think, like, Allison, there is, like, a little... Maybe the word is guilt there mm -hmm. when you can sign up, see yourself moving on. But, like, she obviously still has all of these big feelings for Scott. And, like, what they went through in the last season has made it so that her investment in him can really never waver. Um, it's just that the feelings have changed. And I think that that is something, you know, as much as Isaac needs to maintain his relationship that he now has with Scott Ellison does even more so. Yeah. I think it's really hard, particularly when you're a teenager to move into the understanding of like what the difference between romantic love and the bond that Allison and Scott have where it's not quite romantic. It used to be. But, like, the concept of, oh, I will always love you. Mm -hmm. It just won't be the way it was before. And I feel like that's so hard to come to grips with. Have you ever seen that tweet that's like, I'm single, but if you see me out with my favorite ex, mind your business? <laughs> no, but that's a choice. <laughs> I'm not saying that that's what's happening, but I'm saying, like, you know, everybody has a favorite ex. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think it's handled very well on all sides. Yeah. And the scene, it, the, there's that part where like sort of Scott notices Allison, noticing Scott, noticing Allison. And Kira can pick up on it a little bit. She's like watching it happen. And you have to think like Allison is going, like looking at Scott being like, what do I owe him? Like of the truth? Like, do I tell him that this is happening with Isaac? But also I don't really want to because I, 
you know, makes me look bad, but also I don't want to because I still have something for him and that feels like even a betrayal to myself. That scene is so good. It's very, it's, the more you unpack the layers, the more complex it gets because Kira is holding Scott's hand at that point Mm -hmm. and she pulls away. And I might, I might be wrong about this, but I don't think Kira knows fully. No, Um, she's too new. She's too new to know that like Scott and Allison were, but I think she, I mean, Kira is a smart cookie. She's, she feels the vibes. Oh, she's very perceptive. And then like that must make her feel so uncomfortable. She rallies, um, towards the end of the episode, but like, Mm -hmm. it's so the acting happening from across the room, the interactions happening in a crowded room that's how you a, know par- that at a party. This, that's how you know this episode was written by two women because they understand that you can look at somebody across a room and like time stops, the conversation fully happens and like that is it. Mm-hmm. Whereas dudes, uh, there was like, did you notice how little fighting there was in this episode? Yep. Yeah, that's a dude thing. <laughs> and what little fighting there was, I thought was really, really well done. Yeah, yeah. So girls should write more Every episode. episode of more women more women more women um my political platform (laughs) more women (laughs) more women uh but yeah i just i think this we mentioned like last episode had a lot like a lot more slice of life to it Mm -hmm. uh this episode somehow managed to fit in so much of like the sort of personal like social emotional stuff uh in an episode that really doesn't have a lot of like uh conventional space for that you know and it happens over the course of like a day yeah so there's a lot going on uh-huh yeah should we talk about the other ship of this episode yes let's talk I about skira love kira i love her so much when she like gets out of the uh like police station and she's like i've never done anything like that before that was great i'm like <laughs> you are the best you're the best she's so incredibly endearing and you so just, charming it is so easy to see why Scott falls for her so quickly, you know, because the Allison and Isaac thing has kind of been happening. They had to re-enter each other's lives in completely different places. Again, Isaac has no game. <laughs> and for Scott to so know Kira for what, a couple of days now and to just sort of be like, oh my God, this is it is like, this is going to be the new one is really, is really great. Um, but Kira has a secret that she has to keep from everybody. Which is nuts. Um, particularly when you get further on in the series and like her mom, I guess, knew it was going to happen and didn't warn her. Mm-hmm. So that is a big supernatural <laughs> trope. And like so many, there's been like so many y'all books where like, it's like, I didn't know I was a vampire. And like somebody's grandma is like, well, it was always going to happen eventually. And it's like, so if it was always going to happen, maybe. You could have shared. Yeah. With Drop some me. hints. Yeah. Um, and Kira must be very, very confused because she doesn't know why it's happening. And I also, when she was talking about the, um, the camera thing, I was like, has no one ever in their life taken a flash picture of Kira, but no, it only showed up in like the last couple of months. So she's been dealing with moving to a new school, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden seeing this crazy weird, like light reflection effect. Yeah. When she looks in a mirror with a flash on or whatever. Um, plus all of the weird shenanigans. She was just kidnapped. Like she, (laughs) she's gone through a lot. She is dealing with all this just like a champ is like, yeah, mm-hmm. hell yeah. Women. Um, yeah, she's going through so much. And she's keeping that secret from everyone except Scott. What does it tell you that, like, Scott's, you know, the one that she tells? Okay, you know how, like, you meet dogs? E- yeah, like, like, occasionally <laughs> in life. And you're like, I trust you uh-huh. as a dog? yeah. I feel like it's that experience with Scott. Because he's a, a, Cause, a wolf? Because he's a wolf, yeah. Okay, yeah. He gives off, like, Golden Retriever vibes. Very much so. Yeah. Um, And he also, like, not he, only that, but put himself in harm's way to help her. I think he just sort of exudes an energy that says, like, I'm here to help in earnest. Mm-hmm. You know? he's. It's not just sort of, like, the 
like guy at school who's like, ooh, like a new girl, you know? I think she can tell that that's not what's happening at all. And she obviously already likes him. And the fact that he is so gentle with her, even though she has done nothing but embarrass herself in front of Scott. I think after all of those moments, she's like, if there's somebody I can tell, it is the person who has not judged me for all of the things that they could have judged me for thus far. Yeah. And Scott, for his part, I think part of the reason why he is so attracted to Kira at first one, because she clearly like brings something to the table. She's beautiful. She's super smart. Um, adorable and, and charming as all get out, but she also is new. Mm -hmm. She hasn't been around for all of the bullshit that he has been through these last few seasons. He like, there's none of the baggage that he and Allison carry around with each other. She is not at all touched by, um, the Duroc or, the dunk tank. The tree of life. Um, the nematode. The nematode. The anemone. Yeah. Um, she is like otherworldly, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. And I think he can just kind of tell. And he's like, there's some, I think he can tell there's something special about her, even though he doesn't know quite what it is. Yeah. And the vibes. The vibes. And it's also a blank slate. And that is something Scott really needs. Yeah. And case in point, he doesn't tell her why he can see, like, or why he's not as surprised um, about her little flame thingy. Yeah, I. It's really interesting to me just how, be, how I think that Scott's how will how quickly she is to reveal that secret to Scott to enlist his help because she needs it to save herself from like federal investigation <laughs> of her superpowers. I think that's why Scott is so prepared to turn around and sort of flash his eyes at her at the end of the episode. He's not really doing that. Just I, he could have easily turned off the wolfdom before he turned around or whatever. Like, obviously she's seeing something go down that she can't explain, Mm -hmm. but he basically shows her immediately. Like I am different too. And this is a secret that we can have together. Aw. Yeah. It's wholesome. The conversation they have on the roof is so great because it is the antithesis of what it is what's happening with Isaac and Allison is they are like so open and so um like willing to talk about heavy stuff sort of immediately Scott is very raw with yeah. her um because he just he's a little boy who wears his heart on his sleeve and yeah. Kira clearly does too they're very well matched. Yeah, it's funny because they're sort of like the opposites attract thing of of uh, uh, Allison and Scott, or mm-hmm. she doesn't, and that's kind of why it was so interesting at first. And now they're sort of moving to the people who are more within their own way of dealing with information, and mm-hmm. you get the really earnest moments from Scott and Kira, and the very awkward but very compelling whatever is going on with Allison and Isaac. Yeah. I mean, I actually think that that's, again, reflective of Allison and Scott's previous relationship, because for Allison, I think her biggest issue was that she completely fell for Scott, and she let so much of that take over her life to the point where I'm sure she can pinpoint it, like, causing so much trauma Mm -hmm. and issues in her life, and not because of Scott specifically, but because she let herself be so unguarded and um Isaac has always had to be super guarded and I think she is less scared mm-hmm. of like having those interactions with him because they're not falling into each other immediately versus Scott that is an irrevocable part of his personality he's never going to change it yeah yeah um and I think that there's some I think Allison is also comforted by how sort of guarded Isaac is because I think there's a sort of part of her that's like, well, it, I can always back away. Mm-hmm. I think that's really hard with Scott. Um, should we talk about Styles? Yeah. The craziest thing about Styles in this episode is that the secret kept is one from himself. Um, which does that make sense? No. But he wakes up uh, in the morning of the episode and he finds a new key on his key ring. And can't explain where it came from, and his dad doesn't recognize it. And then at the blacklight party, um, Caitlin, 
of last season whose girlfriend died in the woods. She uh, died. She died. <laughs> yeah. I there I really feel like that could have been in super poor taste, but the fact that we both laughed at that line, I was like, mm, okay. Well, I think we were both feeling that like that party is going to be the post corona vibe. Really? Yeah. Like, uh yeah, everything was terrible, but I'm super drunk. But I'm super drunk. Yeah. None of us are wearing masks. Oh my gosh. The day there's a vaccine. Can you imagine? No, I actually can't. People keep being like, when this is all over. And I'm like, when what is all over? We've been saying that since March. Oh, yeah. I remember when I first was not, was working from home. I was like, two weeks of two weeks working from home. No, it's been months. Yeah. How much work do you get done a day? (laughs) None? For legal reasons, I cannot disclose that on this podcast. I mean, gosh, Julia is such a hard worker. She oh, just, really? Oh, am. Busy, I, busy bee. Uh-huh. Um, where the F was I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Caitlin uh, notices that there's phosphors on Styles' key, which means it's probably come in contact with chemicals at some point that aren't of the black-white party. Although, if I were at a black-white party, I would have been like, oh, maybe I touched something and then touched my key. Literally, that would have been my first instinct. Also, if I had seen those pictures of Kira... Like, if I were Raphael, I would like those kids in their damn photo editing apps. <laughs> I wouldn't. That, I would not have immediately been like, oh, yeah. It looks like a bad, badly hoogied photo. It does. Yeah. Or, like, even pre hoogie with, like, all of the, um, the apps app- where you could add a light leak. Yeah, yeah. They all looked so bad. They did. And yet, all of my Instagrams from 2013. Oh. No, 2014. I didn't have an Instagram in 2013. Yeah. It was a different time. It was a different world. Weird. Um, it's funny. You were saying earlier, like, how would nobody take a picture of her with their flash on? Like, I don't know. Maybe they didn't have their digital camera <laughs> on them. I, maybe not. I do think I was happier when my phone, iPod, and camera were separate. It taught you how to suffer. <laughs> it taught you how to suffer. <laughs> and suffer in silence. Uh, it taught you how to organize a purse. <laughs> that, too. Yeah. Which is, in its of itself, a kind of suffering. It, yeah, it is. Um... But Styles is frustrated. He's also keeping a secret from his dad uh, by letting Kira and Scott into the evidence room. And he even says, like, he even says that his dad would help them out, but he has to keep it a secret because um, Raphael is investigating him. And he cannot risk that. Which sucks because none of what happens, like Styles pulling out all of those different keys and telling them where to go, none of that is out of character for him. None of that is something that wouldn't have happened in a previous season. It's just because of the impeachment investigation that Styles can't help. That is all par for the course. But Styles is like, I can't be involved. Yeah. Just, when you know he wants nothing more than to be involved. He's so into it. He's he Styles' whole thing is that he just wants to be involved. Yes. Uh <laughs> that's why Teen Wolf is a thing. Yeah. That's why the whole, that's the reason for the whole show. Um, yeah. And he threatens Raphael. And I'm trying to remember if we ever figure out what that secret is. I know we find out a bunch of weird secrets about Raphael, like he, him pushing Scott down the stairs, but I don't know if that was, maybe that's it. Or was it the thing about him killing somebody? And that's why he has the drinking problem. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... But don't they both have drinking problems? I feel like... Yeah. yeah. I feel like most <laughs> men in their 40s do. Mm, possible. Uh, yeah, but Styles is... 50s, probably. ...working real hard. And he eventually finds out that he was the one who helped Barrow hide. Yeah, he does his own handwriting comparison. Which is funny that he wouldn't recognize it. I was thinking yeah, that too. Yeah, because I know exactly, I mean, like, my handwriting is a little peculiar, but, like, I know exactly what it looks like when I see it. And honestly, if I were Lydia, I'd be like, oh, Styles, you draw draw your fives like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. It is very weird that that does not come up. And also, whoever is in charge of, like, the white, the chalkboards on the chalk on Team Wolf, it sounds so nice. It's like... The smoothest chalk writing you've ever heard. It might just be, that might just be sound editing. I hope so, because... Because I hate the sound of chalk. Oh, it just made my shoulders feel weird. Oh, yes. I do get that, like, gross cotton ball feeling (laughs) between my shoulder blades. But, um, you know, sometimes you, like, get the right piece of chalk on the the right chalkboard, and Uh it's like, 
asthma. Um, but something's going on with Styles. Yeah. Which is, this is a very bold thing for a show to do. Uh, to tell us that Styles is working with this guy? Or, or, in what regard? To... Well, because we know Styles would never do that voluntarily. And the whole the whole thing of him like being possessed by the Nagitsune, the way that it's done, I think, is so out of the box mm-hmm. um, and not what I would have expected. And I remember being really surprised. I definitely think it's a way bigger risk than, say, take Chamber of Secrets. Yes. Where Ginny basically goes through the same thing uh, with Riddle's diary. Uh, but because she's such an like she's such a background character, it is shocking to find out at the end. But it doesn't it doesn't hit the same way as we have to watch Styles discover what he is doing outside of his own knowledge. You know? Oh, we never we never understand the like emotional ramifications of Ginny's possession. Like she brings it up very casually. Yeah. She gives like a couple flip lines in like the fifth book where Harry's like, am I being possessed by Voldemort? And she's like, here's how it feels. Um, but yeah, like to be so close to what's happening to styles, Mm -hmm. um, is really interesting. And like him being unable to trust his own mind at the beginning, obviously sows these seeds, but also just makes you so nervous, um, for him in a way that you know that this is going to like at first when he's having these hallucinations, it's just about whether or not he's awake. And mm-hmm. now it's about whether or not he's killing people. And like to have that way on styles is to have him not be able to reach the information to prove any which way that that's happening is really heavy. Well, and he also just doesn't even know what's happening. Like he knows that he has that key and he knows that his handwriting is like that, but he is completely in the dark about what else might be happening. It's a secret. He knows that he is vaguely responsible for certain things, um, which he then helped to fix. Mm-hmm. What a weird dichotomy to suddenly be in. Um, yeah. Was it, I mean, it's like the whole thing of like, um, uh, you know, arsonists and like serial killers, like committing the crime and then trying to help solve it. Mm hmm. But in a, a really reluctant way. Like, Styles doesn't, you know, he's not doing this on purpose. No. Um, so that that's a really interesting observation for the show to make. Yeah, and there's a lot of misdirection going on right now, particularly with the appearance of the Oni. Like, you're not being given enough pieces to fully put it together, which is good. It's a mystery. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you, you couldn't possibly know at this point if you're watching the show for the first time what what's going on. I don't even think you'd have a good inkling. You'd be like, no. that's very strange. No, and I remember when this show was airing, I think it, this must have been coming out the spring of my senior year of high school because mm-hmm. I remember being able to like watch every episode at home and the next season I wouldn't have been able to. Um and I remember, like, me and my twin and getting ready to, like, we were so, like, insanely <laughs> gripped by the season because we were like, what on earth could possibly be happening? I remember watching Riddled with her, like, being like, this is insane. Um, you know, because when you're in high school, you have no, like, taste. <laughs> no, but I still think But it was also, that... like, so, so insanely, um, it was, like, intoxicating. Like, I had to know what happened next. The season is really well crafted. Like it's not high art by any means. But what do you is. mean it's not high art? <laughs> uh-huh, it's, uh-huh. But it's a really good mystery. It is very solid, mm-hmm. um, and it's interesting. And it's not something I've ever seen from a teen show before. Um, I think people have tried to replicate it, not the story specifically, but like that kind of vibe and that kind of mystery to varying degrees of success. Mostly not yeah, successful though at all. It, we, you know, we can sit here and be like, oh, this isn't a high art. There has been so few teen shows that have been able to do what Teen Wolf did. And that's why people are still obsessed with us. We're doing this podcast, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I think about other, like, shows in the sort of genre, none of them did the sort of, like, short structure of, like, um, 
of like most of them are still pretty episodic Mm -hmm. things like the vampire diary stuff with 22 episodes you have to fill in a full season stuff on the cw there are things like sabrina um that you know didn't quite touch this either i watched outer banks which isn't technically a genre show but it still couldn't touch this i've been rewatching buffy because i still haven't finished it but Rewatching it, I'm still struck by like a lot of the similarities, but also kind of what Buffy could be now as a TV show, because a lot of it's really episodic um, and there are recurrent themes, but a lot of it's just like very much monster of the week. Mm-hmm. And I think that they could have pulled something like this off were it being made now. That's so called True Blood. <laughs> Is it? No. Gosh, no. I've never, like, we talk about season five stinking. There is not a show on this planet that had as quick of a de- decrease and as extreme as a decrease in quality as True Blood. It tanked so hard. Immediately. The first season is so good. And then it's like, I literally do not remember what else happens. And I have seen the entire series. Yeah. I did. I couldn't finish it, but it is. Oh. Really good, but and the fact then that Teen really Wolf, bad. The fact that Teen Wolf did better than the, this HBO show of similar genre. There's werewolves in True Blood for some mm-hmm. reason. <laughs> yeah, for some reason. Or, and fairies. They If they had just stuck to vampires. Yeah. Actually, I've never read the books, but like, I feel like if I read the books but wanted to adapt to the first one, I'd be like, let's ignore the others. So I've never read the books either, but just based on like the cover art, I don't think it's as dark as the HBO series would have you believe. Yeah. Like, I think it's a bit more, not lighthearted per se, but it's not, and I don't think it takes itself quite as seriously. Uh, yeah. Which is often the downfall. Of, that was, that's a major problem with season five, but we'll get there. It took itself way too seriously. Yeah. Uh, you know what the real downfall of True Blood was? Hmm. It could never live up to the vibes and the aesthetic of its theme song. It's true. I looked it up because I was like, that had to have won uh, an Emmy for like title design or like credits, and it never did. And I was like, of all of the things it could have won awards for, didn't win that one. It's so fun. It's so good. And then you like flash to one of the very first scenes where Suki's getting like the shit beat out of her, and it's just very clearly like the Warner Brothers backlot. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're like, what the so hell? Bad. The whole budget <laughs> went to the theme song. Anyway, you know, any True Blood fans out there who yeah. uh, didn't mind sitting through that garbage? Let us know. Should we go to Q's and O's? I feel like we could talk about the twins and Lydia, but they didn't, they weren't, they were victims of this episode. Yeah. I guess the twins were the facilitator of the party, but that's about it. That's nice. I mean, they're trying to, they're not, not in keeping with theme, they're just trying to get in good with Scott. And they yeah. think that the way to do that is by helping their friends. Yeah, I mean, Aiden even says to Ethan, like, he doesn't want power, he likes people. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to be the people that Scott would like, even though they're not. <laughs> and, well, I think Ethan is far closer than Aiden yeah. is. Or will ever be. All right. Q's nose? Yeah. Do you have any questions? I actually don't think I do. I have a question. Yeah. I very rarely do I have questions. What's your question? Everyone keeps being like, you killed Boyd to the twins. They killed Boyd. Uh, the Alphas also killed Erica. Did we just forget that she's dead? I just Justice think, for Erica. Well, I think Boyd had somewhat of like, not a redemption arc because he didn't really need one, but we got to know him a little bit more. I think his bit in Motel California just solidifies his uh, place in the canon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird to me that Isaac never even mentions Erica. Well, they also, I mean, from a very practical level, I don't think that they, um, sorry, I looked out the window and I got really distracted by the moon. It's really good. Um, they didn't watch Erica die. They don't know who killed her. So I don't think there's as much of like a, an emotional attachment to that. Like they're very sad that she is dead. Um, I don't know. She was also kind of a bitch to them. Like, I love Erica. I would like them to remember her death. Mm-hmm. It makes a little bit more sense to me why Boyd is the one who keeps getting brought up. Whatever. I think it's dumb. Do you have any observations? Well, one of my observations was the the Boyd thing. Yeah. That his death has some resonance and consequences. More so than I remembered. Yeah. Because um, it's like a main obstacle between Lydia and Aiden um, and even just the twins being able to be a part of 
Scott's pack. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, there's a really cute moment where Kira and uh, Scott are like hanging out in the stairwell eating lunch, um, which was just very dear to me personally because I ate every lunch of my life in a stairwell in high school. <laughs> I feel like most people in high school, because without a doubt, your high school cafeteria cannot fit all of the students in it. Well, so right? some high schools like do lunch and shifts, but mine was like, no, just sit wherever you want. No, my, ours did lunch and shifts, but our high school was built way too. There's, I mean, it has two additional buildings. Like there's so many more students who go to it now mm-hmm. than in like 1917 when it was built that like, there's no way you can all fit in the cafeteria, even in shifts. So like kids just litter the hallway. And I do want to say, don't you think it's pretty gross? We all ate on the ground <laughs> for four years. No, I, pretty gross I loved it I had such fond memories uh I still do no my my school did not even have lunch and shifts it was everybody had lunch at the same time because the administration could not be bothered to like deal with putting kids in classrooms you know whatever you could you could eat lunch anywhere I ate in the choir room with the theater kids well embarrassing not no I ate lunch with the same people all four years Mm -hmm. of high school it was great um, I loved the little, um, very cute interaction with Lydia and her mom. Yeah. Where she's like, don't embarrass me. And Lydia's like, well, you should have thought about that before you wore those shoes. I do like that they set Lydia's mom up as someone we're supposed to like before we end up hating her in season five. Uh, which is such a bummer. Season three, Lydia's mom would not put her in Icon House. No, she would not. I'm like personally offended by that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. What else? My mom never institutionalized <laughs> me. My mother would never do that. Uh, I thought the little gag with Derek and the trick or treaters was really cute. It Although, was cute. Why would you go up to a random man in his car? To well, they're out. They're they're right outside of his building, oh. so they might have just been like you know. Kids and who live in apartment buildings have to trick or treat somewhere. That's true. I thought it was really cute. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think those are all of my... I just love the idea of Derek driving around with a bag of Halloween candy. <laughs> like, one for me, one for you. <laughs> the fact that he thought about it and he wasn't just going to, like, turn off his proverbial porch light and go to bed. Yeah. Um, was adorable. Yeah. Do you have any observations? Um, I, I think Daniel Sharman is so good Mm. in the beginning of the episode when he's trying to describe to Chris and Allison what he saw, he's crying through that because it's very, very traumatic experience. Isaac has the most man tears, I think, out of anybody in this show besides maybe Styles. And that really struck me as like not a directorial choice. Like, I don't think it would have been in the script that he was crying. That would have been a choice made by Daniel Sharman. And I just thought like, even if it wasn't necessarily necessary (laughs) like even if i don't know if it quite fit the situation i was like that's a good choice to make it's interesting it's always cool when you can sort of see somebody actually be able to produce tears because it's really i mean it's kind of a hard skill well it's hard for men (laughs) women are way better at acting (laughs) in Um, general in general um i just oh you know what really struck me hmm. is there's a when Kira does the sort of lick your thumb smudge the paint thing off of Scott's cheek when they're on the roof. Mm-hmm. He's like she's like oh, I'm so sorry I just mommed you and Scott's like no that's okay and it reminded me of in the very first season when they're in Allison's car she does the arm over the over the passenger seat thing when she hits the brakes too hard and she's like I'm so sorry I just soccer mommed you <laughs> and it just kind of occurred to me that like Scott is what Scott is mostly attracted to in these people is not that he needs somebody to take care of him because Scott has obviously been taking care of himself most of his life. Like he's got a single mom and like, he's very independent, but somebody who like does things like instinctually out of like mm-hmm. a protective notion. And I very just, sweet. I think using the same like verbiage of momming somebody I just thought was really, mm-hmm. really sweet. That's my last observation. Oh. I did want to, say really quickly that the moment where they're trying to get um Kira's phone back and they lift up Raphael's computer and it's like a baby picture of Scott and Raphael Mm -hmm. it was really really sweet and also just kind of like a gut punch moment because Scott is clearly like very taken aback by seeing it 
I don't think Scott has ever once considered that his dad loves him. <laughs> yeah, which is just like the saddest thing yeah. that you could possibly think of. Um, he clearly does. He is just a terrible father. Just a bad dad. Yeah. He needs a dad refund. So many. There are so many people in this world who need a dad refund. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, pack stats? Pack stats. Um, had counted nine eyes. A lot of those are Oni. Eyes. Okay. They glow. I counted them. Um, we had one claws. Isaac loves to fight with, with his claws. claws. He's so scrappy. He's like the only one, really, um, most of the time. I think Isaac is somebody who doesn't necessarily like the idea of closing his fist against mm. somebody. For obvious reasons. Yes. A very eloquent way of putting it. Um, I counted four shirts, although I'm sure there were more. People were naked at they that were party. Naked. Um, and we had... An Apple, well, it was an Apple computer. I find that very interesting because you rarely see Apple products on screen. Yeah. I feel like I don't see that product placement very much. It was so weird to me that, like, she's got, like, Kira has a Windows phone and it wasn't, like, a Windows, it wasn't a Microsoft computer. Yeah. So. And clear, but clearly some of those characters have iPhones. Yeah. So I don't really understand what the, the deal is with that. So we had Apple and Nokia. No sirens. No, Yeah. What's, is, is Chicago okay? I know we asked that when there's a lot of sirens. Yeah, but Chicago, maybe, I feel like okay? people are behaving tonight because um, tomorrow is scary. That's true. Although um, there was a full moon recently, so I'm surprised that there haven't been more because the full moon is when people get into some shenanigans. Especially in our neighborhood. <laughs> you've, you <laughs> know, really you've do. heard the sirens. Um, do you have an alpha of the week? Let's see. I'm always stumped by that question as if it's not a question that's going to be asked at the end of every episode. Um, hmm. I'm going to give it to Caitlin. Yeah, sure. <laughs> because, uh, one, Caitlin makes out with Styles, who I feel, um, deserves needed, needed some contact. attention. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he could use some human contact and that was nice. And, uh, she also points him to figuring out the mystery of what's going on in his brain. So big ups to Caitlin. She is helpful. Who's your alpha of the week? I like <laughs> want to give it to Isaac and Allison for no reason other just than enjoying them. Neither. of I mean, well, Isaac like saves, uh, Ethan. Um, I guess. I mean, this is our podcast. You can then say I'm, whoever I'm you gonna want. Give, uh, you know what? I'm going to give it to three people. I'm going to give it to Ooh. Allison and Isaac for everything that's happening to them. And I'm going to give it to Kira because every time she was on screen, I smiled. She, Arden Cho, is just so Delightful. dang charming. Yes. Yeah. Love her. So they are my alphas. Not alphas to the plot. To me, personally. Me personale. Um, I think that about wraps it up, Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, I hope you guys leave us a written review on iTunes. If you give us five stars, we'll read it out loud in the podcast and give you a shout out Uh incentive. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, that is at teenwolf underscore rewolf, which is also our Instagram handle. If you want to follow us on Tumblr, we're teenwolfrewolf and our Facebook group is teenwolfrewolf podcast. Join it, uh, share the memes. And then real quick, I just want to remind you guys that if you live in the United... Oh my gosh, I was about to get so serious and this siren is throwing off my groove. Coming in at the end to ruin it all. Maybe I should have talked faster. Oh, it's long. It's the one that went right by our window too. Yeah. I love living here. I do. Um, I feel very safe knowing the fire station is so close. Yeah, we would be okay. Um... But anyway, as, as I was saying, <laughs> I just want to remind you guys that the next couple of days are probably going to be really strange, uh, especially if you live in these United States. And I encourage you guys to take care of each other, take care of yourselves. Watch Teen Wolf. It's an amazing distraction. We had a great time watching this episode. and um, Drink water. Drink water. We just want to send you our love and our support and um, to let you know that it's okay to feel what you're feeling and to... It's okay to turn off the news and it's okay to handle this how you need to. It's not even okay to turn off the news. It is recommended (laughs) sometimes to turn off the news. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Anywho, we love you guys and we hope you have a wolf of a week. Uh, Woo!